Hey, Jennifer. Hey, Michael. My name is Rich, um, and I'm calling in, uh, I guess, to talk about health anxiety and what the hell I can do about it. Um, I've had a lifetime of pretty shitty health uh, starting in college so for the past 20 years. Just a lot of uh, mystery ailments and constantly feeling unwell more often than well that you know I've made a side job of watching doctors shrug at me. Um, but nothing so bad as uh, my past year, uh, which has been defined by benzodiazepine withdrawal syndrome. So I took a benzo, clonopin, um, as directed by my psychiatrist for just over three years. And turns out um, <laughs> that's way too long, and they shouldn't be prescribing it that long because the manufacturer recommends two weeks, and the manufacturer is right. Um, so you go into this withdrawal syndrome. I'm, I've been in it literally over a year uh, with just batshit uh, mental and physical symptoms. To be very brief, um, I've had a lot of crazy, crazy symptoms. I thought I was actually dead and in heaven and at one point i wasn't clear i was real at another currently i have really bad depersonalization i'm listening to my voice right now and thinking oh that's what he sounds like and watching my hand move being like oh okay his hand is moving which is fucking awesome um physically uh, i have involuntary jaw movement resulting in tmj so bad that i can't engage in some bedroom activities which is gay death and um, my eyes are sensitive to light, my ears ring, my hands shake, uh, sexual dysfunction, hemorrhoids, how much time do you have? So the point is this, how can I turn off the part that is obsessing over the health and worrying over the health? Because I know that part is making the health worse. I'm riling up my nervous system, which is the thing that's trying to heal. So I'm in this constant snake-eat-tail cycle, and I was doing pretty well uh, acceptance until I wasn't because uh, I had a setback about three months ago and symptoms got worse. Help me, people. We share our stories to feel less alone. And people dare to share their stories with us. Don't talk about it. Shh. I hope nobody finds out. I am so weird. I can't believe I just did that. You're not weird. And you're not bad. You're human. Welcome, Welcome to, to Striptease. Okay, well, Rich is a friend of mine, so I had Rich call in because I've, 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 and I worked with Rich briefly for a little bit. First of all, I have to just say, because Rich is going to listen to this, uh, Rich is absolutely and everybody who knows him, he's an absolute genius. He's a musical genius. So the the thing that I would say to Rich is because the depersonalization, which is something I experienced with my mother, who she used to sit at the dining room table and goes, whose hand is this? And the physical symptoms and his neurological repairing that's occurring because of the benzo withdrawal stuff, um, the way is, of course, the most important thing for him is to do two things, I think, and this is important for anybody who's going through any sort of meds withdrawal. First of all, don't ever assume and don't ever trust anybody that says to you, this is the right method for with which you want to withdraw or take meds. Do your research because I have many, many people, many friends, many clients who have been on any sort of uh, antipsychotic meds or antidepressant or anti-anxiety meds and they're incorrectly diagnosed. Just because someone says to you, this is what you want to take, doesn't mean it's the right thing for you. So do your research. Second thing is, in terms of the physiological exasperation of symptoms and the emotional response, as I detailed in my 
episode seven story today that we recorded, it can, if you already have a proclivity for anxiety, depression, it can really put you over the edge. So nothing matters more than finding as many possible ways as you can to both express that thing that you're feeling and also find a way to physiologically soothe that feeling. So that means the vigilance required to adopt the certain practices, and I and I've told this to Rich, and I've said this to everybody. That means swimming, which Ian and I have talked about, Ian does, but swimming actually moves your entire body. The yoga stuff, the meditation stuff, the kickboxing stuff, the dance classes. I've sent people who have gone through withdrawal from meds to dance class to get it out, and what they're amazed by is the physiological response of sweating and dancing and getting it out. They feel better after, but your body's recalibrating itself, right? Then the other part is the external grounding. So when you look around you, and this is something that Gina Fisher, the psychotherapist, created, which I've adopted, you have to externalize your experience. So you pick five things you can see, four things you can smell, three things you can touch. You have to constantly externalize your experience so that you're grounding yourself in physical reality. You have to feel your body. Feel the body. So, and then the other part that I went out on here too, darling, dearest Rich, as you know, he and I have been together in coffee shops and he would just, because he's very, very all over the place, right? I live in that energy, so I'm very good at catching the ball and not being dismayed, but actually playing with him. Find people that can live in that energy that aren't like, you know, like I said, I'm this. So some people find it too much, but the people that don't, we have the best time ever. Usually, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound very self-serving, usually really bright, intelligent, driven, and if channeled correctly, creative people with great careers are like this. They tend to be very, they're visionaries. They tend to move very quickly, right? So being around people, that same sort of energy, but learning how to channel that and, and experiencing that, see that the concepts don't work, but it's the experience of finding the balance and the rechanneling and focusing of that energy when you're going through a physiological readjustment that really is the key for people. That's what I found. And emotionally, I mean, you could imagine what it would be like to not only just live in the fear and the anxiety of another health crisis that may be coming up. For months, and then also, months he's been for going months, this. And then also dealing with the withdrawal, trusting a doctor, and then having them. So uh, the thing that I would say for Rich to really check in on is the anger. Is there a we lot of, because I could be, I would be extremely filled with rage around this, right? And mistrust and everything else. And at that point, it's like, who do you trust to to give you these things? And now who can help me and do I trust them? So really, take a look at your anger. Your anger may be the underbelly of everything that's going on that also can spark off your anxiety. And so when you have your anxiety, you again, and this is something I experience, when I have my anxiety, I get angry that I have the anxiety. <laughs> and then I'm fucking pissed that I now need to quell it and I can't find the answer. So I get frustrated. And so that is that cycle all over again. So if you're experiencing that anger, punch pillows, scream in your car, do whatever you need to do. Kickboxing is great. Smash rooms. Yeah, smash rooms are fantastic. fantastic. And as you're kickboxing... Punch or hit whatever you say is is whatever's making you angry, right? Fuck you, fuck you, uh, fuck, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, anxiety, yeah. fuck you, history of health, right? Fuck whatever, you mother. Yeah, right. Health crisis, whatever it yeah. is, yeah. like call it out. Don't hold that in. Some yeah. people will scream into a pillow, but they don't actually vocalize what it is that they're angry about. And just expressing exactly what it is is extremely helpful by just like opening that tap of anger and letting it out. So that is one thing to. Really, and, and notice how your anxiety quells a little bit. The great thing about anxiety and panic is that you don't 
you can't really do something physical and feel that at the same time. That's correct. So it pushes the anxiety out. So while you're doing that, call it by name, be precise of what it is, and just keep letting it out. In terms of the depersonalization, one thing that I used to have, because I would depersonalize a little bit when I I would have panic attacks, right? I would no longer feel my body. Mm -hmm. It would just be a floating head is really kind of what it (laughs) felt like. And so I would, of course, do the rubber band thing. Um, I would turn the air conditioner up really, really high, even in the winter, or I'd roll Smart. down all the windows. Smart. So as soon as my body would chill and I would feel those chills, I would feel like I was back in my body. Mm-hmm. Another way to do that is start tapping on your legs. So I would take a deep breath in, and then I would hold it. And as I was exhaling, it would be like a snake. And what that does is it audibly allows me to hear that I'm breathing. Hmm. And I would tap my leg at the same time in a rhythm. So what it would do is bring me back into my body because I can feel myself tapping myself. And so I would get the breath that I needed. I would hear it, understanding I was breathing, but I would also feel the tap so I would know that I was in my body. So anything that's going to have you have a physiological response, Mm. whether it's chills or whatever, right, Focus on that when mm-hmm. you start feeling that depersonalization. Try mm-hmm. to draw yourself back into your body. And I would add what you said too earlier. You touched on it briefly, but you know, it's the thoughts about the thoughts, which is always what I talk about. That you know, when you're in anxiety or you're in this physiological reaction, you're you're having a thought about the thought. So first of all, you're aware of the thought, which is causing the emotion. Then you're having a thought about what's your problem, why are you having this emotion? So it's the thought about the thought that actually perpetuates it usually. And just that awareness, just talking like this, helps to break it. Absolutely. And yeah. I would do the self-talk because this is the thought I'm having, motherfucker. Yes. Yeah, no, like, it was yeah, really at I've the end of the loud. day. Right. Yeah, yeah, because this is yeah. what I'm doing right now. That's correct. And you know what? It's okay. Yeah. And fuck you, judgment. Mm-hmm. That's, and, that's interesting because I feel like people are usually so focused on saying things, positive things they like to have out loud. I, I've never really heard anyone say, you know, say the negative thing out loud. Yeah, well, that's what that's what we've been talking about today. It's like rage and anger and, and, and vocalizing the fuck you. That actually releases you and gets to the positive. Yeah. Well, think yeah. about it. You know, whenever you're up against something and you're feeling judgment or something else, you, you start to judge yourself and you're like picking on yourself. It's almost as if, if you could put yourself and yourself in a room and one of yourselves was beating up the other, <laughs> right? The other one is just cowering that's in the right. corner going, oh, okay, you're right, you're right, I'm terrible, blah, blah, blah. right? No. Stand up and say, fuck you. And no, you don't get to do this to me. And see it. You can see, you can visualize the thought. You can, absolutely. Yeah, sometimes I see it as a shape, you know, a movement, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, and I see it. And I, or I take like a, I have this like Willy Wonka key in my pocket and I take it and I, I'm like, motherfucker, get in the fucking closet, bitch. And I close the I close the closet and I lock it with a key. This has always been a thing I did. And I would hear it banging on the inside. I'm like, you're not coming out. I got the key. And somehow that would fucking work for some reason. And it would, it would like fucking chill it out. And I told that to my shrink. My shrink's like, that's kind of weird, but smart. Yeah, whatever it, works. He's like, does it work? I said, yeah. He's like, then that's all that matters. And Willy Wonka was always a hero of mine, particularly Gene Wilder. Yeah, absolutely. And then going back to that inner child stuff, because we've talked about inner child before. It's really that's what— That's deep. Yes. That's deep so, shit. So, Rich, what part of you is really looking for protection from that other part of you, right? The, what, is the, what is the younger Rich looking for that's correct. in that moment? That's correct. That you, as the adult Rich today, can actually give to that younger Rich. How can you protect them? How can you let them know that it's okay? Mm-hmm. 
And so one thing that I would do is I would sit a chair across from me, and I would visualize that it was my younger self sitting across from me, and I would verbally ask, what is it that you would need from me? What Mm -hmm. is it that you need? And I would have an entire conversation as the little girl to myself, and I would say, you know, I'm sad about this. I'm angry about that. I don't feel protected. These are all the things that I'm feeling. And I would take that in, and then I would sob and sob and sob as if I was that little girl. And then I would switch seats, and I would be the, you know, Jen from today. And the conversation would be, I've got you. I will protect you, whatever you need. And I would talk to that little girl. Mm -hmm. And so it really had me, you know, embrace. And at the end, I would always hug myself because it was me bringing her into me. So, Rich, hear what Jen is saying. And anybody else who's listening to this, it's a very deep, insightful thing. I've studied with Janina Fisher, who's a psychotherapist here in New York, about these things. That's where you realize you have control as an adult. That it's not the adult you, it's the younger you. And when you learn to love and accept and say to the younger you, I'm sorry I haven't been here, but I'm here now. What do you need? And you listen. This is very deep stuff we're saying. But when you listen to what the kid wants and the kid says, this is what I need. And you're like, I'm going to give that to you and I'm here for you. Something happens internally and you start to heal. But that's when you start to get control. Because it's not the adult you. It's the younger you that's frightened. That's that's very, very, very seismic. It's seismic. It's big stuff. Yeah, that that was that was life changing for me. It's life changing. It was life changing for me too. In my ther- in my trauma work, that's what really turned a huge corner for me was the that work. It's big. Yeah. So, Rich, I wish you all the good health we love in you, the world. Rich. And um, please keep in touch with us. I'd like to know how you're doing. Oh, he's he's spectacular. Hey, so we know there was a lot of information in this last episode. So if you'd like to reach out to us, we're at stripthepodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave us a voicemail about what's going on in your life, 201-685-0828. Stripped is co-hosted by Jennifer Ho and Michael C. Bryan. It is co-created by Michael C. Bryan, Jennifer Ho, and Ian Hamilton. It is produced by Ian Hamilton and Mariana Trevino. It is recorded and edited by Rich Cerbini at Hangar Studios in New York City. 